folk, noise, electronics, and improvisation. How can radical music help us manifest new possibilities for thinking and imagine new ways of organizing community through ritual behaviors, actions, and languages? Across two nights, Liquid Architecture and Melbourne Music Week present a program of electronic music genealogies, featuring artists whose work span the 1970s to today and represent multiple generations of Melbourne's experimental scene. Warren Burt is a composer, performer, writer and instrument builder. He came to Australia in 1975 to found the music department at La Trobe University and subsequently assisted in the founding of the Clifton Hill Community Music Centre in 1976. Ahead of his performance for Liquid Architecture in Melbourne Music Week, Warren discusses how he uses software and algorithms to build instruments and collaborative compositions, his work within community music groups, and his curiosity-driven approach to exploring sound. This is a podcast from Liquid Architecture. Support Liquid Architecture's podcast and publishing through a Patreon subscription. To support, head to patreon.com slash liquidarchitecture. My name is Warren Burt. I was born a long time ago, uh, and I was very young when I was born. That was back in 1949. And I first studied music in the U.S. with people like Joel Chatterby and Robert Erickson and Kenneth Gaburo in both Albany and San Diego in the U.S. And then in 1975, I moved to Australia and I was one of the people who helped set up the music department at La Trobe University. I built their electronic music studio, built their video synthesis studio. We organized lots and lots of uh, new music concerts and video concerts. was one of the people who uh, helped found the Clifton Hill Community Music Center, which was a uh, community group that put on new music concerts. Well, we weren't, we were oriented towards new music, but there was, there was nothing in our charter that said if a string quartet wanted to come along and play uh, uh, old string quartet music, they certainly could do it. We were a community resource, and that was different than like pushing a particular barrel, although people began to basically know us as a new music center. I also was one of the people with John Campbell who founded the New and Experimental Music Show on 3CR, and that went until I think about 1981. And later, I worked in community radio uh, on both 3PBS and, well, first of all, Triple R, and then uh, 3PBS and uh, 3MBS. And I also helped found the Linden New Musicals, which was a new music concert series that went on at Linden Arts Center in St. Kilda with uh, Ernie Althoff and Bridget Burke and Carolyn Connors. And uh, that went from, I think, uh, 86, 87 up to 94. 
So those are uh, a few of the things I did along the way. Since the concert is about community music, I thought I should emphasize the fact that I've been doing community music things for a long time. At the moment, I'm frantically trying to learn some new software that I would be playing in the show. And I'm frantically trying to set things up because for the past uh, month, most of what I've been doing is final end of semester corrections for Box Hill. And uh, once that's done for the day at about 11 o'clock or midnight, I managed to work on this for half an hour. When I perform, uh, it's usually... Uh, improvisational with a plan or a framework. And the framework is usually the patch. And so I do a setup of equipment and then I improvise with that setup of the equipment. I would like to say that I work carefully with equipment for many years to learn every aspect of it before I go out on stage, but that would be a lie. Uh, I learn as much as I think I need to, to survive on stage. And then I hope and pray that uh, my many years of experience will enable me to discover things while I'm in the process of performing. I have built a number of acoustic instruments, a set of tuning forks, for example, and uh, a copy of Harry Parch's instrument, the harmonic cannon, uh, which is 44 strings. But mostly what I do when I build instruments is I'm building instruments and software. So I'm building a performance setup that exists on a computer screen. That's the main thing I do is I'm building uh, electronic systems. Uh, and those systems have certain ways of performing built into them. And so then I improvise with that system. Everything I do is algorithmic. I've been doing algorithmic composition since 1968. Uh, when Joel Chatterby showed me how you can put four low-frequency oscillators into a mixer and make a very complex uh, waveform that will then produce interesting melodies. And so I think it was Moog serial number 0003 uh, that I learned on at the State University of New York at Albany. Uh, so, yeah, I've been, with, I've been dealing with algorithmic stuff for many, many years. In fact, I very rarely do non-algorithmic stuff, but uh, mostly I try and set up a system that will have substantial aspects of playing itself. One of the buzzwords for it back in the 70s was interactive composition. I, I would work in collaboration with uh, a synthesizer or a computer or whatever. this piece, I'll be doing things like just playing on a keyboard that's doing an arpeggiator, but I'll also be uh, setting up uh, pieces that generate electronic sounds or that are, that are using electronic sounds. And I've also uh, 
use samples, use the electronic sounds. Uh, I may even use my own voice. Sometimes I'm looking for a specific thing. Other times it's like, oh, I wonder what happens if I do this. At the moment, I'm much more involved and I wonder what would happen if I do this than in any expressivity notion. One of the reasons for that is I teach at a school where everybody wants to be a rock and roll star. There is ego and there is, you know, expressivity and great sticky gobs on the floor everywhere you go. And so as I'm teaching aesthetics, which is how do you like what you like and how do you know what you like, what you like? Uh, one of the things I have to do is to continually have people examine their motives. And so at the moment, I'm really much happier exploring rather than expressing. my work has been collaborative over the years. Uh, I worked with Ron Nagorka in a group called Plastic Platypus, and I've worked with Ernie Althoff, who does sound sculptures. I've worked with dozens of dancers. My longest-running dance collaboration is with Eva Kartzog, who now lives in the Netherlands. I do collaborations because other people suggest ideas that I wouldn't have myself, and it's fun. You know, it's less lonely when you're working with someone else. And I work in community groups because they're much more fun to deal with than professionals. Uh, nothing wrong with professionals. Some of my best friends are music professionals. But it's really fun to work with a group of people who are all giving it a good try. I have written a piece for the Astra Choir. The Astra Choir, of course, is a community group, but it's a you know, completely written out piece for the choir and uh, accordion I retuned into a microtonal scale and my tuning forks. But the parts for the choir were very easy and uh, they also involved them using their ears and matching the pitch of the tuning fork they were playing. So since they're all choir members and they can match pitches, I can get very complicated microtonal scale things happening without the choir needing to know any of the music theory. They just have to uh, be able to follow a percussion-like score, hit their tuning fork at the right time, and then sync the pitch that tuning fork plays. So I've solved a lot of the problems of why they know or how they know what they're going to do.
Back in the 70s, when I was working at 3CR, uh, John Campbell and I, and later John Crawford, who then went on to work at the ABC, we would generally run out to some concert that was happening, set up our microphones, record it, and then that next week, play what we recorded on the radio. And if we could get the musicians that were involved in to talk about what they were doing, that was even better. Yeah, we wanted people to be actively involved in participating in not only making their music, but talking about their music. At that time, uh, very, very young Phil Brophy and David Chesworth organized a magazine called New Music. And one of the ideas behind New Music was that when someone gave a concert at Clifton Hill, somebody else who would be at Clifton Hill would review that concert. And then after they wrote the review, they would be, there would be an interview with the performer and the writer uh, so that you would have someone making music, presenting it, someone else reviewing it, and then the reviewer and the musician having a conversation. And that seemed to be, for all of us, a uh, good circle. Basically, at that point, there was nothing like beat or impress around or any of those things. And so we basically had to create our own culture. Well, in fact, when Clifton Hill started off, we took, we decided we would forbid critics for coming, you know, straight newspaper critics, straight you know, music critics. We would actually forbid them from coming or we didn't forbid them. But if they wanted to come, they had to buy a ticket just like anybody else. We got this fierce reputation as these angry young people who refused to have the press involved, and it was true. Uh, but what we were actually trying to do was create a critic-free zone, a safe space for people to experiment without all the uh, ego sort of stuff that you know gums up the works of so much music. I've had this obsession with uh, microtonality since about uh, 1971 or two. And so I keep uh, exploring uh, new kinds of tunings. And over the years, I've like, for example, I've worked a lot with the music theory ideas of a man called Irvin Wilson, uh, who was a student of Harry Parch, to drop more names, Irvin makes some wonderful uh, tuning ideas, which give you ideas for other kinds of music that you could make that can go on into infinity. And so I've been working with his ideas for many years. Recently, I've been trying to do pieces where I play in a non-systematic way with three or five or six scales in the course of a piece. So that rather than exploring one tuning system in great detail, I'm trying to throw everything into a giant bin and see the sort of, or hear the sort of relationships that result.
This recording was produced by Mara Schreitfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognize that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organization for artists working with sound and listening. To support our podcast and publishing, head to patreon.com slash liquidarchitecture.